Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. So today I'm going to touch on what why volume isn't what you think it is. What I pretty much mean by this is not all volume is created equal. Why volume isn't black and white, why doing maybe six sets won't always be the same as doing maybe six sets on another exercise, uh, just to basically help influence your decision making in the gym and allow you to have the awareness of how to maybe get more out of an exercise why you don't maybe need to follow certain recommendations and why certain exercises may influence how much kind of work you can overall do. So jumping into the episode, the reason why like I'm kind of talking about this is because there's guidelines out there and if let's say you take a guideline but you have a different maybe training intensity or the movements you pick are are different then you might not be able to do that amount of work it might be too much or too little depending on many factors as I touched on the first one being effort so six sets won't always be six sets what I mean by that is if you apply absolutely 100% effort into those six sets or if you leave a rep or two in the tank it's going to influence how effective those sets are so make sure when you're considering how much work to do you're considering training intensity so as a whole, the closer to failure you train, the less overall work you will need because a good kind of theory to touch on is the effective reps theory. So the closer you are to failure, the more effective those reps are, the more stimulative those reps are. The caveat to that is also the more fatiguing those reps are, which you could argue could make training to failure bad in certain scenarios. But what this basically means is the more kind of the harder you train, the less overall sets you will need. Like someone who, that's why maybe, that's why you get different camps of training, like high volume and low volume. And typically people who do high volume typically leave a few reps in the tank because if they train to absolute failure in every single one of those sets, they're absolute toast. And that's also why you do get some individuals who will only do one working set per exercise and will have like a really, really volume really really low volume approach like high well it's classed as hit training high intensity training not the type of training where you do kind of sprints that sort of thing not that type of hit not like hit cardio but high intensity training and the fact that they do like one all-out set they might take it to all the way to failure and then get someone to assist them on the way up control the loading phase again then assist them on the way up and control the loading phase again uh, which will mean you can maybe get all you need out of that one set instead of having to do three sets because of how stimulative those final reps are and those force reps are. So effort is the first one that's going to influence how much volume you're actually getting out of your sets. Next up is like execution. Like execution will impact the amount of stimulus you can get from an exercise. What I mean by this is if let's say you are doing a chest press, if your shoulders are coming forward excessively, you're caving your chest in, you are not staying like nice, nice and stable on whatever seat or implement you're using. Maybe you're not taking it through like a appropriate range of motion, and that's going to influence how stimulative that set is and how much you're getting out of that movement. So, if let's say you have immaculate control, immaculate execution, joint with effort, then that's going to allow you to get more out of a movement than just chucking weight about. In my opinion, I think that's something massive. So, and like what we're what we're ultimately trying to do when we are training in the gym is increasing the amount of bone to bone pull we can get on a target tissue. What I mean by that is all 
all muscles join onto different different bones, simple as that. Like, uh, for example, our, our hamstring will attach above the hip and below the knee. So basically what we're trying to do is create as much tension from one point to the other. Another example is like your bicep. Your bicep will join onto round about the shoulder and it will join onto your forearm, uh, that bone. Uh, so as a result, uh, if let's say you, you're you're trying to get as much bicep stimulation as possible, that should tell you everything else should stay still. And all that matters is how much kind of force you're putting through that elbow joint. That's going to ultimately influence how much stimulus you can put on your bicep because like i said it joins on like where it basically like if you think about a muscle think about like a bit of elastic band or string how can you put as much tension through that part as possible that's ultimately what we're trying to do when we're doing exercise in the gym and the reason why that's beneficial to know is if you know that you can then not be maybe obsessed over just lifting more weight although it uh, to the detriment of the quality of your sets because if you kind of realise that and all we're trying to do is put as much tension through like a, an actual one muscle uh, through realising where it joins onto, where it inserts onto then it can make it a lot easier to kind of wrap your head around that and not be obsessed with just lifting more weight because it lets you know right if if you are maybe having a breakdown in form or if your execution is not bang on then it isn't going to be better it allows you to kind of understand that why behind it. And just when it comes to decision-making in the gym and in life in general, if you know the importance of something, if you understand that, then it's going to be a lot easier to kind of implement it and kind of have belief in it, if that makes sense. So next up is tempo. So tempo is something I think massively important and something massively overlooked as well. People don't really have much focus on it and they just kind of lift weight kind of from A to B without much consideration on right where does the value of the exercise lie what can I get out of it can I potentially pause it and why would I pause a certain exercise what I mean by this is like people will jump on a leg extension and just throw the weight up and down whereas the leg extension is a good opportunity to fully shorten our quad or rectus femoris which is a part of our quad we don't train much for other exercises and it's our only kind of opportunity to fully shorten that muscle so if let's say we're just jumping a leg extension, we're just like throwing it to the top and then not spending any time there, then we're not actually loading our quad where the value of the movement lies. And if you aren't pausing at the top, then you should have great control going out of that position with a nice slow eccentric or lowering phase in other words. So think about maybe when you're doing an exercise, right, what's the value of this movement? Another example, chest supported row. When you're doing like a chest supported row, the value of that movement is kind of having that chest support available and the reason being is if you've got a chest support available what that basically means is you can use that chest support to your advantage by allowing your shoulders to stretch forward and getting a great stretch in your upper back so again that shows us right the the benefit of that is the bottom of the movement because we can get a great stretch due to having the chest support there whereas if we try and do maybe a standard row like a barbell row or dumbbell row and if we try and get a really deep, great stretch at the bottom for our upper back, we most likely won't be able to maintain neutral form. So now you know, right, if you jump on a T-bar row, there's probably a benefit in spending a time in that stretch position because that's where the value of that movement lies. Another example could be, let's say, we'll say, let's say biceps or something. Uh, let's say you're doing, or 
any exercise really, let's say there's a point in the movement where there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of stimulus to be had, does it not make sense to spend time there? For example, squats, it doesn't make sense to spend a lot of time at the top unless it's to crank out a few extra reps because there's no tension there, there's no value in pausing there, whereas the bottom, that's where we're getting a great stretch on our quads and that's going to allow us to kind of get more out of the movement. So think, right, what movement are you doing and how can you get more out of it? And pausing certain movements can help you get more out of it as a result of that. And something else to consider is like you, the, the eccentric, the eccentric portion of the rep. So something I think is massive, like people go on, right, the eccentric is beneficial for muscle growth, you should control the lowering phase, but not a lot of people explain why. And the reason why I believe you should control the eccentric is when it comes to the eccentric, if you control it, you're going to have much better ownership of that weight when you're changing direction. What I pretty much mean by that is if you just kind of like fly the weight up and don't control the lowering phase, it's going to be much harder to keep it on the muscle rather than if, let's say, you had a really controlled lowering phase. Not only that, but studies show eccentric versus concentric overtraining. Eccentric only training shows a better outcome. Not that we should place all our kind of all our hope on studies and believe everything that maybe a study says and just kind of put all our efforts into what a study kind of shows. But it does kind of indicate that that might mean it is valuable to spend time controlling that lowering phase portion as that's what could give us more stimulus. That's where we'll recruit more muscle fibres as well. And it's also going to prevent injury risks. So make sure you are controlling your eccentrics. Uh, It might mean you'll use marginally less weight, but the benefit of it is going to heavily outweigh the the downs or there's not really any downside of using less weight because it means you're going to be less in you're less likely to get injured you're going to be less likely to accumulate as much fatigue from that training and again you can probably use that target tissue more effectively so yeah make sure your eccentrics are controlled and if possible or when you see value in it pausing where it could be beneficial to pause and next up i am going to touch on uh like muscle damage as well so like certain exercises are going to cause more muscle damage than others for example if you do maybe uh like a let's say you do a hack squat or any sort of squat and you're getting a really really big stretch in your quads you're pausing there that's going to cause more muscle damage than let's say doing uh than doing maybe we'll say uh we'll see a a leg extension so a leg extension is not really going to cause as much muscle damage as like a squat just because you're not getting as deep a stretch so the what that basically means is the amount of potential sets you can do via leg extension is going to be much more than maybe during a squat and it means maybe if you are picking how much sets you're doing then you might want to allocate some towards leg extensions if you're wanting to get more overall work in. And the reason being is if let's say you choose an exercise that's not going to be as as mus- is not going to get as much muscle damage, it means you're going to recover it sooner. So if let's say you were wanting to increase the amount of work you were doing for your quads, you could look to pick a movement that's going to involve less muscle damage so that you can recover as or quicker and then be able to train that muscle again. With, let's say, leg extensions as well, due to being like a single joint exercise, there will be less fatigue as well, which means it's not going to impact our performance on other movements as much just because it's not going to accumulate as much central nervous system fatigue as a big multi-joint movement, a big compound movement where we're, let's say, loading our back, which is another consideration. So not only can maybe doing a movement 
like doing maybe a leg extension cause less fatigue, but it can also allow us to get effective working while still recovering in time. So that's something to consider. Like when picking an exercise, right, how much muscle damage will this create? And do you want to create muscle damage? Can you afford to create as much muscle damage because you might be training quite frequently that body part? Uh, another example is let's say you, you train chest three times a week then you might not want to put all your effort towards movements that are really, really heavy in that stretch position and spending a ton of time there. You might want to put some movements like a, like a chest fly in there where it's a bit more heavy at the top or a like chest press machine that's a bit heavier at the top of the rep, for example. Just a consideration. And as well as that, like this one will tie into it as well, but like range of motion. So if you are getting a deep stretch, then you are going to ultimately get more out with an exercise and if let's say you're not going all the way down you'll have less fatigue accumulated from that movement and overall you will you will get more out of it so as you can see here like from what I'm talking about it's not just about how much sets you're doing because so much will influence how much you can actually get out of a set like if someone does let's say a barbell back squat just to parallel or they take it as deep as they possibly can and get an absolute ton of bend in their knee they're going to get more quad stimulus from going as deep as they can, in my opinion, than just stopping up parallel. So yeah, range of motion will also influence how much muscle damage, because you get more muscle damage in that stretch position. You also get more stimulus in that stretch position. So that's something to consider, and less fatigue from it. So make sure you're again using a full range of motion. You're spending time in positions that are valuable and... Something else to consider is the resistance profile of the movement. What a resistance profile is, is basically like where the, like an easy way to put it is, where it's challenging and where it's easiest, or where it's easy and where it's hard. And a good example is like a dumbbell lateral raise. So that's got a, what you could say a poor resistance profile because it is light at the bottom where we are stronger and it is heavy at the top where we are weaker which you could argue makes it not the best option for training your side delts. Does that mean you can't do dumbbell lateral raises? Definitely not. Does that mean you might not want to do all your sets from dumbbell lateral raises? Potentially yes. So what what this will potentially mean is you might not get as much kind of stimulus from a dumbbell lateral raise as you will maybe a cable side raise or maybe a machine lateral raise or any other lateral variation where you're loading your side delt at that bottom position. It also means you might not get as much muscle damage from it, again, because we get more muscle damage in that stretch position of a rep, which is something to consider, as well as that being the more stimulative portion of a movement, like I said. So, like uh, doing maybe a cable lateral or a dumbbell lateral, you might get more out of actually one set on the cable than one set on a dumbbell. And you might be able to recover from less sets on a cable, than less on a dumbbell so here for example like the resistance profile or in other words where it's hard and where it's easy could kind of influence how much actually work you need because if let's say let's say a dumbbell lateral raise you're only working your your side delt effectively throughout let's say one half of the rep then you could argue if let's say you do 12 reps of a dumbbell lateral or 12 sets of a cable lateral you're getting more of those those reps of a cable lateral because it's going to be hard throughout that full range it's going to be stimulative and really challenging throughout that full range of motion 
So it means you might not be able to, you might not need to do as much work and you might get more out of the work you're doing if you've got appropriate resistance profile for that body part. From experience, it just makes exercise feel better and make it a bit easier to stay on that target muscle. You could argue it can help accumulate metabolic stress or basically help get a pump in that target muscle and stop blood from in exiting that muscle tissue just by picking an exercise where you don't get any breakthrough any of the range of motion if that makes sense so that is something to consider and another example of maybe a poor resistance profile is like a tricep kickback pretty horrendous exercise because it's only loaded throughout the top portion of the movement in the shortened position or when a tricep is fully contracted when it is short in length if that makes sense uh, where muscle growth usually doesn't happen best and that's where we're weak. So it's hard where we're weak and easy where we're strong, which is the opposite of what we want. Whereas doing like a cable tricep extensions appropriate because it's usually hard throughout the full range. And so yeah, consider maybe where an exercise is hard, where it's easy. Or in other words, like see when people say constant tension, this is usually what they mean, but they just don't know the term resistance profile. So if you can get an exercise where you are challenging the muscle throughout a full range, then that's going to be beneficial. If you do follow me on Instagram and you've seen me do a cable chest press, that's the benefit of like a cable chest press in comparison to like a dumbbell chest press. And if you need to choose maybe a good resistance profile for an exercise, depends on, or if you need maybe a quote-unquote perfect, or if you need it loaded throughout the full range, you could argue you don't. But what we're looking for is at least having tension most of the time during that stretch position of the rep and the middle position of the rep as again that's where muscle growth for most muscle groups happens best. Another consideration is if it's a compound or isolation movement you're doing. I kind of touched on this briefly earlier but if you do maybe two sets of a hamstring curl or two sets of a Romanian deadlift they're not those two sets are not equal at all because if you do maybe two sets of a hamstring curl you're not going to get as much lower back fatigue you're not going to get as much central nervous system fatigue you are not going to get as much of a stretch on your hamstring potentially which will mean you might be able to recover from that a bit better because it's not as heavy in that stretch position in comparison to an RDL so here you can maybe argue that if you're wanting to add work for your hamstrings you're struggling to recover already from a central nervous system point of view or you're just finding that your lower back struggling to recover then doing it via the hamstring curl could be a better option. So always consider, right, if you do need to do more overall work, where does it make sense to place it? Does it make sense to place it on an isolation movement or does it make sense to place it on a compound movement? And if, let's say, you struggle to target a body part on a certain exercise, like if you struggle to target your chest, then you might want to do maybe some isolation work, like a chest fly, so you can see, right, this is what it feels like to actually get a chest contraction. This is what it feels like to isolate that muscle group. And then you might be able to quote-unquote connect better with that muscle group when you head on to another exercise. Something else to consider is bracing and stability. So bracing is basically when you take like a big breath in through your mouth and you hold that in your midsection creating intra-abdominal pressure the reason we want to brace in the gym is it will basically allow us to produce more force or in other words lift more weight and of course that's beneficial because it means we can ultimately put more mechanical tension throughout the muscles in our body simple as that which will lead to 
better muscle growth. Because we don't want stability being the limiting factor during the movement, we want our muscles to be the limiting factor. So if we can create more stability through bracing, especially on big compound lifts, and then we'll be able to get more output from them. We'll be able to get more from those movements in terms of stimulus. So make sure you're considering bracing, just basically taking a big breath, belly breath. A good a good example is like if you were getting punched in the stomach, what would you do? You take a big breath in, you need to hold that. That's basically what we want to do when we are taking air in for an exercise in the gym. And next up is stability. So how stable an exercise is will influence how much we can get out of it. For example, if we are doing, let's say, uh, let's say we're doing a uh, maybe a dumbbell a dumbbell dumbbell chest press let's say we're doing a dumbbell chest press or we're doing a chest press machine then you might be able to get more out of a dump a chest press machine because you're in a more stable environment you can train closer to failure without worrying about wobbling the dumbbells and stabilizing the dumbbells which might allow you to get more output or more stimulus from by stimulus sorry just to clarify i mean more kind of like a, a, a greater stress on that target muscle, getting more from that target muscle, being able to train it more effectively, being able to fatigue it more and get more overall quality work from that exercise. That's what I mean by stimulus. You might be able to get more stimulus throughout the target muscle. But again, something that doesn't mean a dumbbell press is necessarily useless. It just means if you never maybe do any free weight movements and you then go to a dumbbell press, due to not doing it you're gonna maybe struggle to get as much out of it for maybe that short time frame but again that could be an that could be a good reason to keep the dumbbell press in because if you keep the dumbbell press in you'll get really good at stabilizing movements which means you can get more out of the dumbbell press and other free weight movements if you ever need to do them and you'll get more out of machine work because you'll be extremely stable because you're used to stabilizing free weights so here you see there's no kind of benefit there it's not like free weight or machines both have their place both have their benefit and you don't need to side on one camp as in doing machine work only or free weight work only there's a place for both and another example with stability is like if you're doing a let's say you're doing a chest supported dumbbell row versus a just a bent over dumbbell row, you'll be able to get more out of your upper back, train it to failure more effectively because stability won't be a limiting factor and your lower back won't be the limiting factor. So something else to consider about when maybe choosing exercises to do and maybe its influence on certain muscle groups is will it actually allow you to train the target muscle to failure? Because if let's say not, then you aren't actually getting those effective reps for that target tissue. So make sure if you are trying to get the most out of your upper back development. Yes, bent over rows do have their place, but is it actually the limiting factor on the movement or is it going to be your upper, is it going to be your erectors that are going to be the limiting factor of the exercise, which is something very valuable to consider. And next up is alignment. So if you are like a, this is quite hard to kind of put across in a podcast, but sometimes you can do exercises that aren't quite joint friendly and you can set yourself up in ways that aren't quite joint friendly. So, for example, if you do a tricep extension with an easy bar, that's not going to be as friendly on your elbows potentially in comparison to doing maybe a cable tricep extension with one cable or single arm, sorry. And as a result, what you might find is 
doing maybe an easy bar tricep extension, yes, you're still doing a tricep extension. Pretend we're not comparing it being single arm to dual arm, but the fact that you've got a exercise that has less stress going through the elbow joint through a single arm movement, you could argue that that volume is going to be different from doing a dual arm movement because you're not going to get as much wear and tear in your joints. So here, both tricep exercises, both maybe on paper relatively effective exercises, but here you can see doing an easy bar is going to be different from doing maybe a cable movement because you're going to get less stress through that target, that joint that's going to be loaded. You're going to get less stress through the elbow joint while training a tricep. So something to consider when we are maybe adding additional work in or trying to bring up a lagging body part is picking exercises that will be joint friendly. For example, if you are trying to train your arms once a week versus four times a week, you might be able to get away with picking movements that aren't quite joint friendly if you're training them once a week. But if you're trying to increase that to four times a week, the importance of having good execution and the importance of having good movements selected that are going to be joint friendly is going to become much greater because the likelihood of running into wee aches and pains and wee issues is going to be exaggerated massively just by the fact that you're you're doing more overall work so there's a greater likelihood of running into wee aches and pains over time. So make sure you consider that. Uh, so quite a lot I've just went over there and I know I didn't give you kind of definitive answers on what this basically means or does this mean you should do this or that? I've not told you, right, this this is what you should do in the gym or this is what you should do with your programme, but this episode's more about just educating you. Doing maybe six sets of back isn't always going to be six sets, isn't the same as doing maybe six sets for back on another movement. Not all volume is created equal, which is something massively important to remember. And it just allows you to kind of, kind of have the awareness of what's going to influence how much you actually get out of the set from a stimulus point of view, from a fatigue point of view, from maybe a injury management point of view and like it's knock-on effect on maybe your joints, loading other muscle groups, etc. and how it can affect subsequent sessions. So I hope this helped. So quick, quick kind of summary. So when you're picking exercises, consider how, how hard you're training, how you're executing them, including your tempo, range of motion, where the exercise is hard and where the exercise is easy, is it a compound or isolation movement, consider bracing, consider how stable the exercise is and consider the alignment. All those things will influence how effective an exercise is and its effects on that session, your week of training as a whole and how much progress you can ultimately make. So thank you very much for listening or watching. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to like, subscribe Share it on your story if you did enjoy it and be sure to tag me so I can reshare it and thank you very much for watching.